baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Should white parents adopt black children? One adoptive mom who did just that pours her thoughts into a new book. Here's Debbie Monterey with more. She is Leah Rachel, and her new book is Seeking Forgiveness. Uh, Aside from this being uh, Thanksgiving to be thankful for, it's also National Adoption Awareness Month, and we are both adoptive mothers of Black sons. So we have that in common, and actually that is the root of this book, Seeking Forgiveness. This is a story about a white mother who adopts a Black son. How much of this is you and how much of this is fictionalized? Great question. Um, and I get that a lot. So I call this a semi-autobiographical narrative memoir. So if I were to put percentages on it, I'd say something like 65, 70% of it is nonfiction, true stories that come from my life with my son. Um, 30, 35% is fictionalized. Um, and I fictionalize especially around my son, the details of his birth family. I mean, his history is his story. Um, and so the, the child is definitely fictionalized in the book to protect my son's privacy. But the idea, so I find it mostly a book about motherhood and a mother-son love. And like the title, Seeking Forgiveness, is all about the difficulty of mothering. And as I'm sure you know, you know, I found the hardest thing is that you never really know if you're doing it right. You know, when to give a, a, your son his first phone, what to do when you find he stole a pack of gum from the convenience store. Like, you know, what do you do in some of these instances? You hope you're doing your best. There's no answer key to figure out if you've done the right thing. And in the end, you know, when they go on and get therapy, you sort of are you know, seeking forgiveness for them a little bit for the mistakes you've made as a mother. We adopted my son before George Floyd, you know, before a lot of the protests and things happened. Um, and to be honest, uh, I was a little bit ignorant um, in that we went into it and we signed up for uh, classes at the foster system and to foster to adopt before I'd seen my first articles and my first pushback about, um, and in even the foster classes, you know, we met people where there was pushback about whether or not white people should even adopt to black children. They often don't know the culture. They often don't have uh, black friends and role models for their children. Um, And truth be told, you know, some white people maybe don't make the effort to do that uh, for their child. And so I had not really thought about it before I was already involved in the process. And that's why it definitely was a learning experience for me. And I think, you know, you can speak to this too. I think if you are a white parent adopting a child of any other culture, you should make the effort to learn that other culture, uh, you know, find role models for the, your child in the other culture. I mean, it, it is something that takes effort and should take effort. <laughs> yes. If you're not making that effort, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> for sure. I very much agree. Yeah. I, I was the same. I didn't think that much about it. I didn't think about the challenge. As I started taking different classes and just taking the black hair and skin care class that our adoption agency had us take, I every day I realized... Mm-hmm white people don't know what they don't know about black people. 
And uh, yeah, and I don't know about you, but I feel like it, it's still a constant learning experience. I mean, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, like the heart of Detroit. Um, so at least I grew up where I had a lot of experience with black culture and, and um, you know, had friends growing up. But still, as a white person, and certainly as I grew up and went to college, my environment became more and more white. You don't know anything. I mean, you don't know a lot of things, let me just say. <laughs> and um, I think I've certainly learned a lot and put a lot of it in the book, but I'm always still learning. I mean, there's always more to learn, to be honest. The book kind of, it almost takes place in a night. The mom gets the call, her son is in jail, and she's reflecting back on all the all the ways she may have failed her son and all the things that she tried to do that she thought were right. Can you talk a little bit about a few of those experiences in the book and, and what made you include those? Yeah. So um, well, I'll describe one episode that's uh, true and that happened to us that's also in the book. You know, when my um, son turned about five years old and had his first dentist appointment and we showed up, the two of us, and we walked in and the receptionist behind the glass partition, she sort of pulled it aside, looked at us funny, um, closed it, came back a few minutes later and said to me, uh, where are your papers? And I said, our papers, uh, here's our insurance cards. And she said, no, no, no. And she pushed them back like your papers. And I said, I, I honestly don't know what you're asking me. And she said, well, in order to see the boy, we need approval from his parent or a guardian or somebody who can tell us we can legally see him. And so I was flabbergasted because one, she, why is she, who brings adoption papers to a dentist appointment? <laughs> like, right. And I really believe she would not have been asking that if we weren't of different colors. If we were both black or both white, this question would not be happening. And of course we had to leave because I didn't have any adoption papers and we're in the car and I'm buckling my son up and he's like, where's my lollipop? Cause I told him he'd get a lollipop. And, and he says to me, he says, mom, did we have to leave? Cause I'm black. And I said to him, no, we had to leave because mommy's white. And the point of that story is it's been a struggle for me all these years when things like that happen, which they do surprisingly commonly to make my son not blame himself. But the overall sort of uh, message I feel like is that the mother-son love is very, very strong. And if it's very strong, it can help you get through a lot of these things. So I feel like it's a much more hopeful message. I mean, there, there, it is difficult and navigating these things is very difficult. But if you love your son and you love your family, that can help overcome a lot. But what kind of pushback did you get from the African-American community, if any? So far, I haven't. I mean, I'm kind of been waiting for it. So, you know, I, I did realize writing this book that I'm wading into territory that maybe people won't always agree with it, I'm sure. Um, and that's fine. There are people who still believe that white people should not adopt black children. But in all honesty, actually, I haven't gotten pushback yet. Microaggressions. When a lot of white people hear that term, they roll their eyes or, oh, whatever, what does that mean? But the more you walk in the shoes with your Black son or in the Black community, you totally see these not even intentional things that are said and done that just... And let me just add that none of us are perfect. So, and that even you do. So, you know, there, I do have a few scenes in the book where the the mother is like, oh my God, am I not liking my son's black friend because he's black? You know, or, oh my God, you know, this person I'm approaching and offering help to, am I doing that because I'm assuming they're poor because they're black? So, and some of those incidents, in all honesty, I did. So, you know, none of us are perfect. And I think, yes, a lot of people get defensive and maybe they would get less defensive if we all admitted we make mistakes on some of this and we're all still learning. I mean, these things happen and it'd be better to admit them and talk about them than just not. Author Leah Rachel teaches at UMSL. 
She was a guest on Book Chat with Debbie Monterey and the St. Louis Public Library. November is Adoption Awareness Month. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.